0: with my first because she was in the NICU and we didn't get to bring her home for a week. I just I didn't feel like a mom for months even though after she came home I didn't feel like a mom. I knew I was feeding her and keeping her alive. I didn't feel a connection. I didn't feel anything like that. So I just remember like hitting a point where I was like This is not what I thought it was going to be. Like, I thought I was going to have this baby and feel these overwhelming, loving feelings of that joy. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, you're a new mom. Isn't it so exciting? And you're like, no, this sucks. And I just remember having like that point of, I didn't know that it was going to be like this.
1: For Elizabeth Presta, no matter what level of planning and preparing she did for her pregnancy and birth, her plans still derailed, and she was left feeling emotionally empty. That picture of becoming a mom was not at all what she expected, and she instantly started to question and judge herself. We have a lot of assumptions about our pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and life in general. We paint a picture in our minds, but what if that picture looks very different than the one that we dream about? Is there anything that we can do to manage our expectations? And what if it feels different? How do we pivot? Elizabeth was a doula prior to becoming a mom who was blessed with a beautiful pregnancy. She did everything she was quote unquote supposed to do to prepare her body for birth and for labor. But at the end of a trying labor, she was left feeling void of emotion. So hearing her story today, will help us manage our expectations and know that our plans might not go as planned, but there are tools that we can put into place during pregnancy to give us support in case this happens. You're listening to the Mamas in Training podcast, giving aspiring and expecting first-time mamas guidance and community from moms who have been there. I am your host, Jessica Lorian. However, I'm not yet a mom. An autoimmune disease delayed my journey into motherhood, so I made it my mission while I heal my body to learn with you all about motherhood so that together we can be as prepared as possible. Now, today's topic is something that we can prepare for by hearing the stories of others. But more so, It helps us to know that when we are postpartum if we feel like elizabeth did we're not alone and by using the tools that elizabeth gives us we'll be able to adapt better when the time comes and our emotions are at their highest point so now on to the show
0: so i went to 41 weeks with my first and a lot of people they're like oh it's 40 weeks my due date's here right and I tried to really mentally prepare myself for the long game. So I felt pretty comfortable. And since I'm a birth doula, I had my plan. I had everything kind of laid out and nothing went according to plan. (laughs) I did have all the tools because even though my birth plan didn't go as expected at all, I still felt, I felt heard and I felt supported throughout the whole thing. I did everything right. Ate the dates, drank the teas, did the curb walking, saw a chiropractor throughout my whole pregnancy, did pelvic floor therapy during pregnancy, like before I even had a baby because I just wanted to prepare myself. Mm. I chose the right providers. I wanted a water birth and uh, I had a couple of fears going into it being a doula. I'm like, either I'm going to be scared to go in, so I'm going to labor at home super long and have a car baby, or... I'm gonna get there and be like two centimeters dilated. And that's exactly what happened. I was two centimeters dilated Mm -hmm. when I got there. I had been laboring off and on for a few days. Uh, My water broke. We spoke to the midwife and decided to go in. And my contractions started off tough. It wasn't easy from the beginning. They were pretty close together. Right from the start, I got there as two centimeters. So I was really disappointed. Feeling already that like, oh, I could have labored longer at home. Like, why didn't I wait Mm -hmm. at home longer? But I think that it really got me into my head. I got there at three in the morning, four in the morning. And by about noon, I was five centimeters. And at that point, I was throwing up so much. I felt like my legs were being ripped off of my body my doula had me doing every single position like we tried everything and they thought that I was further along than I was like they were really surprised when they checked me because of my symptoms
1: Mm. normally
0: there's a transition in birth and once you get to a certain point it's like oh you're in transition which means you're usually seven eight centimeters or further along Mm. and I wasn't so because of where my pain was and everything happening, when the midwife checked me too, she could tell that the baby was asynclinic. So that means that the baby was coming in cockeyed instead of straight down my birth canal. And she was sunny side up instead of you want the baby's head facing your back. She was facing my belly button. So just her position made it much, much more difficult. At noon, I talked to my husband and I'm like, I think I need the epidural. Like, I don't know if I can do this. And we asked for some time and everyone left and we both cried and I just, I was like, are you going to be disappointed in me? I feel Aww. like I'm weak. And he was like, no, like, of course I'm not going to like, he was crying with me cause he could see like how much pain I was in yeah. and I decided to wait. So I labored from noon until 7 PM. And that's when I got checked again and I wanted to be checked i'm like i need to know like how much longer i have to be doing this Mm. and i was a seven so it took me seven hours to go two centimeters which all of this can be biologically or physiologically normal Mm. in birth but her position just made it so difficult so at that point i decided i wanted the epidural and it took them like an hour because the anesthesiologist was in a surgery And so I'm waiting for the epidural and my doula told me that I was so focused on the bag of fluids and they had to give me a full bag of fluids before I could get the epidural. And in between every contraction, I would just be staring at it to see if it had gone down because at that point, I wasn't hooked up to anything. I didn't even have an IV or anything in me. I wanted to labor freely. Once I got the epidural, I did get that immediate relief. However, I'm super sensitive to drugs and... I was exhausted from laboring, so it did knock me out, but I had zero movement at all. Normally, once you get an epidural, you can feel some contractions, especially when it's time to push. You can feel a little pressure, or you could tell I couldn't feel anything. And then they came back and said, Okay, it's time to push. So by the time I actually got the epidural, who knows how far along I was, but. I didn't get very much rest. And I just, I also remember thinking when they were like, it's time to push. At that point, I feel that I had mentally checked out already. Mm -hmm. I was so exhausted. I really didn't care about having my baby. I felt defeated. I had been in so much pain.
1: Obviously, I pushed because (laughs) you have to get the baby out. So That's such a vulnerable thing to share. Thank you for saying that. And not many people would, but I think it's important for us to hear if you, Feel this way, it's It's okay to admit. It doesn't mean that you don't love your baby or actually want the baby to be born. It's just mm-hmm. at that point of exhaustion, it it just feels impossible,
0: right. And that's exactly how I felt. After the baby was born, they laid her on my chest, and she wasn't breathing very well. They ended up calling the NICU nurse in, and then they had to get the NICU doctor in there. Once they took the baby, they took her over to the little incubator thing. And my husband stayed with her and my doula stayed with me. And when the doctor came in, they're like, we need to take her to the NICU. And they're like, it'll probably just be a few hours. You never know. Because it's not as common for full-term babies to end up in the NICU versus preterm. They took her to the NICU and my husband went with. And I, again, had kind of checked out, which ended up being then you beat yourself up I'm like how come like am I already this horrible mom like what's Mm -hmm. going on all I wanted to do was sleep they woke me up like six hours later and I got to go to the NICU and see her but I I really didn't feel anything and I had expected this overwhelming feeling of when your baby comes out you watch all these videos Mm -hmm. online and even all the births I had been to up to that point And everyone's like, oh, my gosh, you know, just so excited that their baby's Mm -hmm. here. And I didn't feel that. And questioning, is there something wrong with me? Am I going to have this crazy postpartum experience, depression, anxiety? Am I going to be a good mom? Like, just so many questions coming up and being too exhausted to even care. And and that was really hard because we were in the hospital for like a day and we got to leave, but our baby had to stay. She ended up having to, they almost had to completely intubate her, but they were able to just have her on oxygen. So the first time I saw her, she was connected to so many tubes. And then I asked if I could hold her and I only got to hold her for a few minutes because then her heart rate started changing. And she's like, she's so sensitive right now. You might not be able to hold her very long. And then they had to put her back. And... I don't know if it was also part of protection mode because she was in the NICU and I had had a miscarriage previous to her. So I think a part of me just kind of shut down, expecting the worst. Like, who knows what's going to happen? Like, everything's out of our control. It felt, although the doctors and nurses there were amazing, it just felt so scary. Yeah. And nobody prepares you for going home without your baby. Yeah. So I was waking up in the middle of the night to pump with no baby there and that was so hard. And then also feeling like I needed to be in the NICU 24 seven, but I couldn't, I needed to go home and sleep. It took me months to connect with her. And I just remember after she got home a few weeks into it, just really realizing that motherhood was not what I thought it was gonna be. Because before having her, I was always a super carefree, wild spirit. I mean, I hitchhiked. I slept on strangers' couches. I was a wild <laughs> child. I did not have any ounce of anxiety in my body yeah, at all. And now having this kid, I would lay in bed at night crying myself to sleep with her next to me in the bassinet, feeling like I couldn't even turn to lay on my side because if my back was toward her, something bad was gonna happen. Mm. I couldn't like roll the other way in bed. I had to lay facing her all night. And I started getting really bad, intrusive thoughts. And I mean, on top of that, you're having like severe nipple pain, you're having night sweats, you're having so many things that nobody prepared you for. But these thoughts, I, I I'm like, is this normal? Is this not? Like, at what point is it postpartum anxiety? At what point? And so many people are like, what you're experiencing is normal. But for every single person, normal kind it of varies. varies. Yeah. And looking back at my first experience, I, especially after my second, I definitely had postpartum anxiety or depression because those intrusive thoughts started really affecting the way that I lived in my daily life for a while.
1: There are so many different reasons why you could have been experiencing this. People experience postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety without any sort of complications in delivery or without a NICU stay. Would you say that looking back on it, it all stemmed from the change of plans, the change of your birth plan and and not knowing what was going to happen? So it was like you couldn't turn your back away from her because finally she was here and breathing in your arms and it's like that didn't go as planned. So what else is going to come? I think it could be a
0: combination for sure. But I also think just not being prepared for motherhood. I was always prepared for birth. So I knew my birth could go however. And even though like I ended up with the epidural, I've studied it. I knew the risks. I knew the benefits. I knew I needed it in that moment. I've never had to be responsible for anything in my entire (laughs) life besides myself. Yeah. And now I'm responsible for the most vulnerable in the world. Yeah. And I have zero idea what I'm doing or if I'm doing it right. Because as a new mom, you're also sold so many things. This is the right way. This is the wrong way. There's courses on every single thing out there. And I googled and I took them and I I didn't know if I was doing it right because some things were maybe against my intuition but what if my intuition's wrong because I don't know what I'm doing mm-hmm. so I think that just going from being this person that was super carefree to all of a sudden my entire
1: world has changed now how, everything how can anybody prepare for that can you prepare for it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Is it just a matter of like hearing these stories and knowing that if it happens to you, you're not alone? Like that seems like yeah. the only way to mm-hmm. to gain any well, sort of like comfort.
0: Yeah. Well, I think a huge part of it, though, too, was also she was born September 2020. So it was like oh, yeah. deep in pandemic. Yeah. So we and especially since she was in the NICU, too, we didn't see anybody for a while and I'm definitely somebody who needs community. Yeah. So I think it was definitely a combination of who I was before babies, pandemic, NICU stay, like yeah. birth plan changing, everything all into one. And it really felt like it came crumbling down in postpartum for me. I knew at some point that it wasn't just baby blues, that it was something deeper that I hadn't planned for. I don't know if you can prepare, but I do think having a postpartum plan in place mm-hmm. to at least have help with other things can help ease the rest. How did you pick yourself up? I don't think I really did, honestly. I think just time. I knew I knew what I was feeling wasn't normal. It probably was about at four months postpartum That i felt like things got easier at least i started to feel a connection so it took me about three to four months to really feel connected to my baby and start feeling like okay she is my little human she's here there's so much out of our control but what can i control you realize that you can control loving them and caring for them and everything like that so that's really what i focused on and then it was probably about six months postpartum that I'm like, okay, it got significantly easier. So around four months, I started to feel connected. Around six months, it got significantly easier. But looking back, I really feel like I probably should have talked to somebody or gotten help.
1: Of course, you couldn't plan to have the same experience. But what kind of things about postpartum did you know to expect or did you prepare for differently?
0: Mm-hmm. I prepared more stuff for the house, I guess, like just having tons more meals on hand to cook, to take pressure off of me to feel like I had to to cook and do all of that. (laughs) But just there's a lot of things that people don't tell you. So I remember after having Jovi, somebody telling me not to wash my nipples with soap. And I had no idea that that was a thing. Your nipples actually form a microbiome on them for your baby. Um, you can wash your chest and kind of let everything rinse over them, but you're not supposed to wash them. I actually, have um, on it. Oh, Right. Wow. I was prepared for the nipple pain. <laughs> with Jovi, I had gotten uh, plantar fasciitis, so it was mm. extreme pain in my feet. I would stand up and feel like the bones in my feet were separating, which can be common in postpartum, and I had no idea. Thankfully, it didn't happen with my second, but I was prepared for the night sweats and just always having water stations set up having weird body odor <laughs> when you're going <laughs> sweating and having postpartum and hemorrhoids which I got really bad with my second that was mm-hmm. something I wasn't prepared for this time cuz I got I had one with my first but it wasn't bad it didn't affect me it wasn't painful this time I was in a lot of pain to the point like I had to get prescription stuff and Even still, I'm (laughs) over three months out postpartum, and I still have to use it. If I don't, it hurts really bad when I poop. Mm. Um, Mm. I experienced constipation this time, which I didn't my first, Uh, and I was doing everything. I was taking magnesium, eating prunes, doing everything, and it's just weird how your hormones can change being regular. Mm -hmm. They can change so many different things. But also, just being prepared... For this time, chiropractic care, postpartum, pelvic floor therapy, things like that, that a lot of people may not think about when you're feeding your baby, whether you're nursing or bottle feeding. Sometimes when you're tired, you end up in funky positions. You're kind of crouched over or you're leaning against something. You're holding the baby weird. And that does really mess up your neck, your back, everything. So just kind of having some care, some lactation support as well. And both of my girls had tongue and lip ties that had to be revised. So I was prepared this time for that, which wasn't Mm -hmm. fun, but we knew what to look for. We have a really great pediatric orthodontist and both of them had to go to myofacial therapy after. So we're still in that with Tula. With Jovi, she only needed the six weeks and with Tula, we're at 12 weeks and still going. Mm -hmm. So, there's just like <laughs> so many things that endless can amount pop up. of things. <laughs> right. but but also, it's really great to get information from other people who may have been there. So asking friends who maybe live in your area or whatever, if they had a lactation consultant that they went to and liked checking with your insurance to see who they cover. Uh, again, same with chiropractic care, If there's somebody who specializes in pregnancy and postpartum and pelvic floor therapy just really getting referrals to have a team of people around you to help support you during that time and then of course friends and family a meal service or people dropping off meals at your door i think it's important to not be afraid to ask for help absolutely or if somebody's like hey can we come see the baby and being like sure do you mind picking up dinner or (laughs) Like folding laundry while you're here.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. You know, it was really inspiring. Several months back, I went to go visit one of my closest girlfriends. Actually, she's the one who inspired me to start this podcast two and a half years ago when she had her first baby. So she just had her second baby. And I went to go visit, and I was blown away and so proud of her because I'm hanging out, and she and her husband are there. The two kids are there. And I'm playing with the kids, and she said, Hey, Jess, can I ask you a question? I was like, sure. What's up? She's like, would you mind if my husband and I go out for a walk and watch the girls for just a few minutes? I was like, oh, my God, yes. I'm like, Mm -hmm. go, please. Like, I will hang out with these girls all night. And she's like, well, no, no, we're not going to go for long. We're just going to do a little walk around the neighborhood. She said, it's just been a while since we can go for a walk and just hold each other's hands without Mm -hmm. a stroller or another baby. And I was so inspired at that moment because I was like, what a strong sense of advocacy. And I felt so proud that she felt strong enough with me and comfortable enough with me to ask me that question. But I think we don't know unless we ask those that we love or who come by to help us.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's good to have people like that in your life and that she has a friend like you that she can trust to to do that with too because sometimes it can be hard leaving your baby. But having those systems in check <laughs> make it so right. much easier. My mom was staying with us for a month after we had Tula and I mm. remember it was um, a week or two after I had her. My husband was like, let's just go. There's a restaurant five minutes away. He's like, "Let's just go get an appetizer and hang out." And since my mom was here, we put our older daughter to bed, and then she had the baby and we're like, "Okay, we're 5 minutes away. Call us right. if you need anything." And it was exactly. so nice because we didn't do anything after we had our first. Yeah. And it is really nice to have people like that around because you you need that time with your partner and you need that time with yourself.
1: With yourself. What lesson do you think you learned from both of these journeys, an unexpected birth journey? What's the lesson from it all? I think one of
0: the biggest things
1: is to have grace
0: with yourself and that I do believe it's so important to prepare. And part of that planning is knowing that things don't go as you plan. And that's why it's good to be prepared and know different options why I love birth plans because you learn whichever way it could go but I like to call it a birth wish like you have these wishes but you know that there's systems in place you know risks and benefits you know options you know that there's going to be people to support you along the way and so giving yourself a lot of grace that like I did everything I could to set myself up but I didn't know it was going to be this way but I have people here to help. I have people here to support me. And giving yourself space and to also be curious, I think, about yourself during that process. Because one thing that I learned with my first was that it triggered so many emotions in me that I did not know were there. So much came up for me through her Mm. birth, through the postpartum. But I was able to, instead of completely lashing out, I was able to be like, huh, I wonder where this is coming from. Yeah. I wonder what deep-rooted belief I have in myself that when my baby cries, I immediately think I'm failing. Like, what, yeah. what are the underlying causes here? So staying curious about yourself and not being afraid to
1: seek help, I think is also really important. Yeah. I was going to say, did you reach out to a therapist or have the support in any kind of way besides
0: your own? Yes. I think it's, I think it's really important to do that. And I've been to therapy a few times (laughs) and I think it's a great tool. I actually was telling my husband a while ago. I'm like, I feel like I need to go back because each pregnancy or each baby, just different things come up. And I'm like, huh, I didn't know that was there. Maybe I should go talk to somebody about it. Also, there's not a time limit on postpartum. So when You're like six months out and they're like, oh, well, you're not postpartum anymore. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. you are. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Exactly. But whether you're just brand new or been in it for a while, just know that you're doing awesome. You're doing a great job and things can definitely be hard. You can't compare yourself to other people's journeys. If you are loving your children (laughs) and feeding them Mm -hmm. and giving them a place to sleep at night, Mm -hmm. a safe, secure environment, then you're killing it. You're doing awesome. And you need to recognize that in yourself as well.
1: I read that you wrote in an Instagram post when you were postpartum, carrying her in my womb was much easier than carrying her in my arms.
0: It, I mean, it felt good to be able to acknowledge that. And I think that although pregnancy is not easy for a lot of people, my pregnancies were pretty healthy and not terribly hard. And our postpartum experience with her was not. So when I was reflecting back on it, I'm like, wow, it was so much easier just being pregnant because I could control things, right? I could protect her. I could control what I was doing, which was in effect was affecting her. And once she came into this world, you realize every single thing is out of your control. Everything, everything. One of my (laughs) biggest fears was driving home from the hospital. I'm like, we're gonna get hit by a car. Like we're not even gonna make it home. And just so many things are out of your control. It's like, I could be driving the safest that I can, but somebody else may not be. And so it's just becoming a parent, you realize that you have zero control over how life goes. And so it's so much easier when, when they're protected by you fully. And in the world, you can do everything you can to protect them. And I think that's part mm-hmm. of where I was able to save some of my sanity was, okay, what am I doing? You know, the doors are locked. <laughs> There's not right. knives on the floor. <laughs> like, you know, right. she's she's loved, she's healthy, she's safe, she's fed, she's secure. So yeah, it felt good to it. kind of share my truth.
1: How have you, or would you recommend navigating that fear of the unknowns? So two
0: things that really helped me, and one was affirmations for both my second birth i did tons of affirmations tons and they really really helped me and even postpartum affirming yourself that you are an amazing parent affirming yourself that you are nurturing and loving your child no matter how your how things unfold whether they're Mm -hmm. how you envisioned or not and another part is also grasping the reality that this is our human experience and that we are vessels here so One thing I've I've had to struggle with is that Jovi, like my oldest daughter, she isn't mine. Like we don't possess our children. We birth them into this world and we raise them to hopefully be loving, accepting, generous human beings who want to give back to the world. Mm. I don't own her and part of that has been hard for me because i'm like no she's mine like i grew her <laughs> she's never moving out she's never exactly. getting married she's not <laughs> going anywhere <Yeah. laughs> she's i don't want her to experience life i don't want her to experience heartbreak i don't want her to and i'm like no that's not that's not the point we do not possess our children so coming to grasp that reality that we are the vessels in which these children decided to come Earthside. And we get to bless them by providing that safe, secure, loving, nurturing environment for them to thrive so that they know how to be that when they go out into the world. And those are the things that you can't really (laughs) prepare for, but you can come to like grasp
1: that, that you do want your kids to experience life. Have grace with yourself. First and foremost, have grace with yourself on this motherhood journey next know that the plan you create and the picture that you have may shift or look completely different everything on this journey takes time and that's where grace comes in so be patient with yourself at each and every stage you can find more from elizabeth on instagram at e-s-a-n-d-o-z or on her website and podcast miraculous mamas where you can email her directly And those links are also in the show notes. As Elizabeth said, it's best to learn from those who've been there. And that's exactly what we're doing here at Mamas in Training. She said that community is key to learn from others. And when you're in community, you can work on the third step, which is setting up your support system by asking for recommendations for a therapist, pelvic floor physio, lactation counselor, chiropractor, and anything else. So if you're looking for recommendations to build your support system, then join us today in the Mamas in Training Facebook group. It's free, and all you have to do is click on the link in the show notes and put up a post today asking for your recommendations. And watch, you'll see, you'll be supported by over 300 women who have been there. You don't have to do this alone. Remember, we're in this together. If you enjoyed the show today, new episodes release every Wednesday, so be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. And help us grow our mama community by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. That way I know how to better serve you. And finally, I would love to connect on Instagram. You can find me at mamasintrainingpod, that's M-A-M-A-S, in training, P-O-D. For Mamas in Training, I'm Jessica Lorian. We're in this together.